Awesome. We'll get started. Uh, I have what I feel is like a really simple message, but also like I just, I wrestled with it. And, and, and my title today, we're still in this miracle series. Not, I'm not, I don't know when I'm done. Uh, no plan. I'm just going to go. And, and honestly, as long as God's still speaking to me, we're, I'm going to still speak to you. And so um, that's just kind of where I'm living in this tension and of this series. And today's title is Miracle of Ordinary. Miracle of Ordinary. I, I had this reminder of this concept that I absolutely believed in, but, but I wrestled with this because I don't like the word ordinary. Now, I think some of that, I remember when I was young and I remember when I was in high school and the time when you got to be cool and you got to have all the right stuff and the right sneakers and the right backpack and all those kinds of things. And yet um, I didn't get to have those things. My mom, she didn't have the money like growing up. And, and so like, I didn't have some of those name brands. I know I made a joke just recently about a starter jacket. That was a Christmas gift from an uncle who had money that wasn't from my family. And so I didn't get a lot of those name brands. And so in the era when Jordans were cool, I couldn't have Jordans until I did eventually one day get the Olympic Jordans, like long after the Olympics when they were on clearance. And then I felt kind of weird wearing them, but then that's another story. And uh, so I didn't get some of those things. So for me, I remember this, this idea of this, this idea of ordinary because ordinary being like, what's normal, what's, what's abundant, what's um, in that kind of way. And so going to a school where all the kids had money and finances or, or maybe they didn't, their mom, their parents just spent the money, whether they had it or not. And so in the, in the midst of like, all of those things becoming ordinary, right? Ordinary is not just um, like basic. It's not just plain. It's these things that are common. And so when all of a sudden Jordans and certain things were super common and cool, I couldn't have those things. So then I become to, I became to, uh, I turned into rebelling against those things, like, right? So even when I could get the popular thing, like, no, 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 I'm good. Like, I you remember when I got those Jordans, but then it wasn't cool to have those Jordans anymore. So then I just absolutely, like, I'll never try that again. I'll do the, my own thing, the opposite thing. I, did, I hated this idea of ordinary. Have you ever wrestled with ordinary? I still like, everybody's like talking about this show and everybody's like, you got to watch this show. And I'm like, just because you tell me and all these people tell me I got to watch this show, I'm not going to watch that show, right? Like, I'm still going to rebel against certain things in life. What's, what's ordinary? I remember, uh, uh, wrestling with this, I just took a, a personality assessment. I love personality assessments in a way. Like, I kind of dig down and I kind of don't dig down, right? Like, uh, like, just give me the heart of it, not the details. But uh, I met a friend, Paul, he's, he's over here uh, in service, and he told me about another personality assessment. Now, we've done several. I did Myers-Briggs way back when. Pastor David, he's an expert on Myers-Briggs, and he'll tell you your ENFJ and all your other letters, like, in a heartbeat. He'll, like, well, have one conversation with you, and he'll be like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see. You're probably here, and he'll kind of figure it out. And, and then as a staff, we even do DISC. And, and disc assessment, and, and we do those as a team and staff. And then I love Enneagram. That's a whole other thing. And, uh, but I took a, a personality assessment just this last week, and uh, turned out I'm, I'm a triangle. It's a shapes test, and, uh, and I'm a triangle. I won't read the whole thing. Uh, I don't want to bore you, but uh, I'll read this one part because I thought it was funny in light of ordinary. It says, talking about me, this is its assessment of myself, says, you may be able to focus well in areas of technique or specialist skills. Yes. I like that. Like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that encourages me. I like, that sounds good. But, oh, there always comes a but. Lose, you lose focus when it comes to less significant or mundane tasks. Oh my goodness. The ordinary I get trapped in the ordinary and I get bored. I get like, like, I just like, I want to move on. 
and deal or not deal with these things. I love personality assessments, by the way, because one of the things it helps us realize is, is discover not just who we were, but who we always were. Like it helps us to see things that we may not always see with our own eyes. And, and I feel like with ordinary, so much of it, we fail to realize in the moment we realize in hindsight and, and I'm going to get there. Let's go and jump into our text because otherwise I'm going to get ahead of myself. And you'll see in this miracle of Jesus what I'm talking about. So let's, let's look for our miracle of ordinary today. So in John chapter 2, verse 1, I'm going to read the whole story here. And I'll just give you the snippet. But in John chapter 2, verse 1, it says, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Jesus responds, dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come, but his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever. Let me just pause here for a moment. This is not part of the thing, but sometimes we just need that person in our life that says, do whatever he told you. (laughs) Like, like I love this thing that that she doesn't even address Jesus again, by the way. She just turns to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. (laughs) Like, I love this. And I just imagine her like walking away with that kind of motherly attitude. Anybody, you had that mom, like she told you to do something and maybe you were being a little reluctant or gave you a little attitude and you're like not, not doing it. And, uh, and she kind of walks away after giving you that look or the what for. And I kind of picture that here, but that's just me. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. Here's the do. Fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instruction here. The miracle here is the water being turned to wine. A huge miracle. Sometimes it doesn't feel like a huge miracle, but then we start to look and we measure out and we think about how many gallons of wine this is, of water being turned to wine. And and, and it actually is a pretty large miracle, one of those awe-inspiring miracles. You ever have those awe-inspiring miracles, those desperate miracles, those needed miracles, those miracles that feel huge? That, that just feels so big. Miracles from the Bible, miracles from our life. I have seen so many miracles in my life that I cannot, could not explain. Miracles, everything from obviously uh, my, my sister being healed of cancer at the age of six um, in and, and, and major situations to stories I've shared in my own life um, throughout this series to even miracles um, doing just doing ministry. And miracles that have taken place in so many ways. And so I love when we see these pictures of these miracles. These miracles that are so large. Are you still in need of a miracle that's so large though? When you look at these miracles, I, my, my prayer, my hope is that there's an encouragement. There, there's, there's a hope that is created in sharing these miracles. But does it also sometimes create maybe a hope for something that is maybe a little bigger than you can quite grasp, quite wrap your head around these miracles. Maybe it's just not 
big in the sense of a size. Maybe it's not big in the sense of that bill or big in the sense of something like that. Maybe it's smaller. Like you feel like it's just a little thing. Like if this relationship could just experience this one little moment, this thing of love, this, this reconciliation, then, then that would be a miracle. Or maybe it's just a small thing, a job. You're like, if this job, if this one thing could happen in this one little thing, this one little step, this, this, this moment, this miracle. And we're encouraged to come into church and to come into a spiritual life and to believe in miracles and to believe big. I mean, I grew up with my dad, Pastor Walt, the senior pastor. Like, you want to talk about crazy miracles? I, I've seen so many things happen, and especially with properties and, and things that have taken place in, in his life. I mean, it, it's just amazing. And so sometimes I've even, I've had to, to deal with that in myself where it's like, but my dad, my dad is huge. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just me. Like, like his story and, and things like that. And I've had to, how do, how do I... How do I wrap my brain around the miracles that God's calling me to do in the shadow of even my own father? How do I, how do I manage these miracles? I even look at a scripture in Mark eleven twenty three. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubts in your hearts. That's a... It's really a tough, a tough scripture sometimes. Maybe not always and maybe not in the face of seeing God come through and seeing miracles take a turn and, and seeing some of this. But I feel like there's been more times where I've, I've, I've struggled with texts like this. Have you ever struggled with your faith and believing for a miracle, believing for a breakthrough, believing for a healing? But we've got to move mountains Mountain movers. I remember there's a, there's a guy back in San Angelo, our home uh, hometown, and, and where other campuses, and, and uh, he had his life turned around, and he had a dirt moving company. He actually named his company Mountain Movers, <laughs> and he actually, he actually did that, and he experienced a great miracle in his life and, and changed so much. So how do we have this faith, though? It says if you, if you believe this, you speak this, you say this, and you believe it in all your heart, you have no doubts. And how do, we, how do we do this? I see faith so often as a clear ending point, right? The cancer being gone is a clear ending point. The, the savings account having this much money is a clear ending point. The, but whatever it might be, I can see clear ending points. But what about our starting points? What about where we begin? And is that maybe the ordinary? I look at this miracle again and, and it's not the water to wine where the miracle takes place or begins. Let me say it that way. The miracle begins with the jars being filled with water. The miracle begins with an ordinary task of servants filling jars, with servants filling the water. Without the water, there is no wine. Without the water, there is no miracle. Without the obedience, there is no possibility and opportunity for Jesus to perform this miracle of changing water into wine. And so in this, this miracle, what I'm actually looking at is, is not the actual performance of, of this transition, this transaction of water to wine. And, and, and here's an interesting thought, by the way. Uh, this is a miracle, don't get me wrong. 
But but C.S. Lewis actually taught me that this miracle of changing water to wine, or yeah, water to wine, was really no different than what God created in nature. A vine draws up water out of the soil and converts that water into producing fruit combined with the sun and chemistry then becomes wine through a process through or ferm, fermented obviously and then people come in and you know we step on it and all that kind of stuff and we like and we help the process get along but like but like this even process of what Jesus is performing is the chemistry that God created which I just thought was by the way, I just thought that was so cool. Like, I just loved this science picture that what Jesus is doing. I mean, he's just a science teacher, really. But that's another thing. But the power of ordinary. The power. I, so many times in my life, I fail to, to want to do the ordinary right now. But yet, I can look back in my life and I can absolutely see where the ordinary played out in my life into miracles. I can see, I remember this time when I first started volunteering in youth ministry and asked to volunteer, I was not offering my services. I was not offering, like, I was asked to help and, and serve in youth ministry with teenagers. And, and I, I said, yes, I felt like I was one of those servants. Fill, these, fill this with water. And I said, okay, I'm filling this with water. And at the time, I failed to even realize that me going in and just simply playing basketball every Wednesday night with a bunch of teenagers and trying to survive <laughs> and, and doing that, I had, I had no concept of the miracle of ordinary that was actually taking place because the lives that were being transformed in the rest of the service through prayer, through worship and the word that was actually taking place, that, that my miracle of, of the ordinary of playing basketball was just helping to build relationship, helping to break down walls, helping to connect with young people that, that all of a sudden I couldn't even understand at the time what that was really creating. I remember when we went to Abilene and, and we first started trying to have a desire for homeless ministry and, and, and reaching the homeless and feeding and, and this back in San Angelo and I didn't even know what to do and somebody told me, told me about a ministry in Abilene. So I call up uh, this ministry in Abilene and I just said, hey, said, um, I heard y'all are doing great things. We're trying to learn. We're about an hour and a half away. Can we come hang out and, and learn? And turns out like through this whole thing of love and care ministry, they're out of Abilene, Texas, that all of a sudden, like this guy didn't even realize at the time that he just gave us his Saturday. They don't even function on Saturday. And he gave us his Saturday and did everything that they would do on a weekday of everything from us, um, the clothing store and the soup kitchen and then going out to the homeless camps and even back into the woods and doing all this. And at the end of it found out that, well, he's just doing an ordinary thing that he did during the week that all of a sudden what became, what was ordinary became a miracle on the weekends because all of a sudden it transformed and what he was doing as ordinary transformed our lives, my life and the life of the teenagers that we took on that road trip to do ministry. And I remember times when I missed miracles, the miracle of the ordinary. I, I, I can't explain it and I can't prove it, but the time that I did not pick up the trash in the parking lot that was not mine and fully believe that the, the Holy Spirit had spoken to me to do that very thing and I didn't do it and I believe I missed out on a miracle of ordinary in that moment because I didn't obey what God had told me to do and there was something missed. And I can't tell you what it was. I can't quantify it. And I can't explain it. But I think there are miracles of ordinary in our life that we tend to overlook. 
And we tend to miss that in the word extraordinary isn't ordinary, that there's, a, there's an aspect and a piece of what seems to be basic and what seems to be common, but yet what is called to become something more than what it seems. But can we have eyes to see it? Can we have a faith to believe it? And, uh, and to be obedient, to be obedient to what God is calling and husbands, I think sometimes if we might know this, if you haven't done this yet, uh, the spoiler alert may be there for your wife, but just empty the dishwasher without, te- without being told or asked or anything like that. Just do something extra and see how your wife reacts. It, it's the miracle of ordinary. It's the basic thing. It's the, it's the miracle of ordinary. It's the being obedient to your manager without, without even like griping or complaining or walking away with your shoulders hung low. Like it's, it's the miracle of ordinary that takes place. We know some of these. We've experienced some of these. You ever had your kid actually clean their room without giving that attitude or being asked? Like it's, as a parent, you're like mind blown. I don't know what happened. Where's the real kid? It's a miracle of ordinary that takes place. In hindsight, we can so much, so much more easily see these things, see these miracles, the miracles of ordinary. And I think they're crucial. I think they're crucial to our spiritual walk. And I don't know about you, for me to just be vulnerable again, so often there, there's spiritual practices that we are communicated about and, and, and we, we promote. And, and sometimes though, but it's like, okay, I, I understand that, that just the practice of prayer, of daily prayer, or, or whatever that might look like. Some of you are like, I'm just trying to get the weekly prayer. That's okay. But what seems to be ordinary, what seems to be small, what seems to be insignificant in its value, because you're like, but what is this one prayer in this one moment going to change in my life? Going to change for the mountain? Giving. When I already don't have enough and I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to, like, what is this? miracle of ordinary look like even in our own lives serving gratitude reading my bible like i have no time to even even get to those appointments and make these things happen and yet um, but yet the preacher's always telling me to read my bible every day and read it this times this many times a day and memorize these verses and like and 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 sometimes like i don't even know like okay i can see the ending point but i can't see or really grasp the starting point the miracle of ordinary. What is your water to wine moment today? What is the miracle that you're needing today that seems as large as a mountain? That seems too big to comprehend and to wrap your hands around completely? What is it that you've been needing? What is your miracle? I love this idea, by the way, of even this verse, and not to counter or push against this verse, but I saw this idea of if you want to move a mountain, start by moving the pebbles. And I thought about that so many times, I believe that even in the miracles that we're believing for, that there are rocks. We can't move the mountain, and while we're waiting on God to move the mountain, what would it look like that I picked up the rocks that I could move, and I started moving those rocks from one location into the other, and I started doing those things? What is the, what is in the miracle you're needing? What are the rocks that are a part of that mountain that you can pick up right now? What are the steps and processes that you can begin right now that may even seem insignificant? You can't 
understand how saving this much or doing this much even can play into the grand scheme of what God needs to do in your life. But what would it look like for you to begin those rocks, those small things? Too often we miss the ordinary in the extraordinary. We become so mind-blown or perplexed even or, or just in awe of the extraordinary that we can't sometimes grasp the ordinary of what we need to accomplish. In John chapter 2, verse 9, back in the story, it says, When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants, I love that it throws that in, the servants that started the miracle with actually filling the jars. And here we have the servants referenced again. Do you imagine that in your miracle? Uh, one day your miracle is being told and it starts with this kind of moment. Maybe it's even a miracle that you're not in, uh, looking for in your life, but it's in your community, it's in your family, or it's in this church. And it's a miracle that takes place and, and all of a sudden you get referenced again. And maybe not here, but maybe it's an eternity kind of thing. Maybe it's God, because God sees the, the, the ordinary of what you're needing to do in your life. God sees the ordinary of what you've always been doing in your life. So many times we feel like well, I've been doing these insignificant things that, that, that don't seem to be paying off, but yet God sees. It says, though, of course, the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then, then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you kept the best until now. Some of you are like, this is why this is my miracle, by the way. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we got the party miracle going on. This is why I love preaching this at a wedding. I mean, this is a celebration of what's taking place. It's my kind of miracle. Remember that God does not need your perfection. He just needs your obedience. Jesus took what was done in obedience and made it the best it could possibly be, better than what anybody else expected or anticipated in this situation. And he says, what you even thought was good, I'm going to do above and beyond even with that. Because what you give me is greater in my hands than it is in your own hands. And so many times, whether it's the miracle of the ordinary that we're trying to hide it, hold on to it, control it. But if we can just give our miracle of ordinary, our acts of ordinary, our obedience of ordinary and give it to God and let him do the miracle that's way more powerful in his hands than it can be possibly in ours. And I believe this is a picture of what he wants to do with each and every one of our lives. I, I, I wrestled with this idea of the ordinary lives that we live. And I believe that there are sometimes lives that we tend to live and just going through the motion of what the world expects us to do, that our lives become ordinary. But let me be clear, you are not ordinary. You may feel ordinary. You may see an ordinary picture of your life and things like that. But in all of this, the miracle of ordinary, that there's an aspect that, that you may have an ordinary, but you are not an ordinary and I believe what God and Jesus wants to do in this situation, it's that, and it's not that, this is what, again, about the personality assessment, that it's not about me putting on you who you are and saying, this is you, this is who you are. It's a revealing of what's actually inside you. 
And this is the thing when we feel ordinary that God, when God says, no, 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 look, there's a miracle of ordinary that I want to perform in your life of transformation, of change, but it's not of just, it's not really transformational. I believe it's removing. Like, like, like so often we are the mountain ourselves and what needs to be taken away is like Michelangelo chiseling away the rock to, re, to reveal the art that was always inside the stone to begin with. And that is us. And so often we're a mountain ourselves that need to be moved and we just need some rocks to be removed from us, to reveal who we really are. The miracle of ordinary that God wants to perform in each and every one of our lives to say that not just good, but the best. Not just better than someone else, but the best of who you are, of what he's created you to be, of what he's called you to do, the accomplishments and, and even beyond the, the, the ordinary and just Taking the ordinary to another level. The struggle. The struggle that I carry. The struggle of what does it matter and is it worth it? These are two of my struggles. What does it matter and is it worth it? And what we see is a yes. Yes, it's worth it. Yes, you're worth it. God needs your ordinary. Every time we see someone as ordinary, we turn the wine back into water. Bob Goff said this, and it really wrestled with me because so often, aside from our places of judgment, but how many times do I see myself as just ordinary, as just common, as just plain, I, I miss out on the, the purpose and the plans that God has for me. And I share this quote, not from the place of judgment against others, but, but for the judgment that I so often place when I look in the mirror. And so I'm going to say this quote again. Every time we see someone as ordinary, we turn the wine back into water. We undo the miracle that Christ has done or is doing. Too many times I undo miracles. Whether it's the ordinary acts that I believe I'm called to do, the spiritual practices that I sometimes feel or struggle, the different things. Maybe it's even the thing that I believe God has called me to do for a greater purpose and a, a greater plan for my life, but I've, but I've got to do these steps. I, I've got to get through this process to get there, but this feels so ordinary that I can't see how this is going to play out on the other side. What is your ordinary? And maybe you feel like things are difficult right now. And I, I like how C.S. Lewis said, hardships often prepare the ordinary for extraordinary destiny. In John chapter two, verse 11, as I finish with this, says, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. One of the greatest moments, one of the greatest miracles that's absolutely recorded in all of scripture performed by Jesus, our Savior, is this miracle right here. A miracle of turning water into wine. And it was a miracle of ordinary because it actually started with jars being filled with water by servants being obedient. 
And I love the last line of verse 11 there in John chapter two. And his disciples believed in him. And so I finished with this simple question. Do you? Do you believe in him? Do you believe in him not just as our savior, not just as the second Adam, the one of God who had come down to live this life, to, to live a perfect life, to live this life that we would deem to be so ordinary, but yet God in the flesh would choose to walk it out and to walk with us and to take men that I've deemed to be ordinary for so long as the disciples. And yet I believe now that, that what I deemed to be ordinary was just a miracle in process. Do I not only believe in Jesus Christ literally coming down and living this life and, and being arrested and charged and mistreated and beaten and bruised and hung on a cross, but do I not only just believe in the, the history of our Savior, but do I believe in this Jesus that would perform miracles, that would perform miracles of life? Can I believe in this Jesus that would bring this miracle that I'm needing today? Can I be like the disciples? And the disciples, they believed in him. And do you? Do you believe that he can bring the transformation that you're needing, the renewing of your mind, the breaking of addictions, the reconciliation of relationships? Do you believe that he can give you a new future because you feel like you've squandered the old one? Do you believe that he can perform miracles in your life today? Because how much more important are you than a wedding? And if Jesus is so willing to do such a great and wonderful miracle as a part of a celebration of life, how much more valuable are you? How valuable is your ordinary? And be encouraged today that the things that you feel like you've been doing that have felt ordinary, that have felt basic, that have felt fruitless are not. That your heavenly father loves you and sees you. He sees your efforts. He knows your desires We feel so condemned by the times we didn't pray and how, how delighted is a father for the times you did, for the times you did come to him. The disciples, they believed in Jesus. Do you? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, we thank you. We thank you for stories, for moments, for opportunities that take place in scripture like this with Jesus. Not just for weddings and celebrations, but for miracles. Miracles of transformation. Miracles of converting. And even Jesus is a science teacher, simply doing what you've created to take place in science and in nature. And how much more 
can you transform us into what it already exists, what is already there, what is already inside of us because you have placed it there. Thank you, Father, for placing inside of us plans and purposes and abilities and gifts and desires that are there. And God, if you can move mountains, you can move us. like to just lead us in a small prayer before our final song of worship and our prayer team is going to be available and, and, and they love you and they care about you and this final time of worship is a time for us to really press in but I just want to lead us all in a simple prayer if we're believing these words today if we're believing this story today if we're believing this Jesus and this is just something for all of us to pray and just repeat after me this will be really simple Thank you, Jesus. I believe. Amen. Let's worship.